l'exploit et il part et il edition of the Habs 360 podcast here featured on allhabs.net. I'm Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. As you look ahead to tonight's game, the Montreal Canadiens and the San Jose Sharks, which gets started at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern tonight, a game that could be seen coast-to-coast on uh, CBC. Last time these two teams played, it was on trade deadline day on March 2nd, and well, we know what happened then. The uh, the San Jose Sharks over the Montreal Canadiens for nothing, and that was just the beginning of uh, the recent slump that the Montreal Canadiens went through. Some news and notes from what we know from practice today. We know that Carey Price will be the starting goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens. He will uh, be facing Antin Yemi from the San Jose Sharks. And in other lineup news, we know that uh, Jeff Petrie is back from uh, the flu, and the defenseman who will not play tonight will be Nathan Bowyer, who is a a healthy scratch. So we're going to talk about that uh, later on today's episode. And also yesterday during practice, David Yagner missed it because of the flu, but no worries. He is back in the lineup tonight. He was at practice this morning in uh, Brossard. So we'll keep you updated on all these news and notes as we go on today's episode. Join me on Twitter. After a two-week hiatus, he was so upset that the Montreal Canadiens didn't acquire top six forward during trade deadline that he had to step back for two weeks. Peter, welcome back. I had to contain myself because I didn't know what I was going to say on the show. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry for that, but now I've gotten over it finally, so it's a pleasure to be back. And if you don't uh, you don't believe us, you can follow Peter on Twitter at Peter Galanos and check his uh, timeline, and uh, you'll see that he he hasn't been happy about the Canadians' uh, no top six acquired at trade deadline. Joining us in about uh, 15 minutes' time will be the voice of the Montreal Canadiens on the Rogers Sportsnet. John Bartlett will be with us to talk some Montreal Canadiens with us and his thoughts on the Bleu Blanc Rouge. Since our last episode, Canadians played a total of four games. It started off last Saturday night when the Canadians were in Long Island to face the New York Islanders, and the Canadians were 3-1 winners over their opponents. I'd say it's one of our best 60-minute games uh, lately. Uh, There's still... There's still things we can improve on that we've done uh, uh, better in the past, but you know I think it was a step in the right direction. It's good to get off on this road trip on the right foot. Um, you know, moving forward, we want to we want to build on that. Um, you know, keep uh, keep bringing a solid effort like that. And you know, I think if we uh, we stick to our guns and play that type of hockey, we'll we'll be successful for the rest of the year. All right, so we heard from uh, Lars Zeller, and we also heard from uh, Carey Price. Carey Price made 35 saves during that game. And, well, uh, if you're on social media, or maybe even if you're not, you probably heard about the famous selfie that he took with uh, with a young fan during a TV timeout of that game. That game, Canadians had a nothing lead. And shutout was joined with 2.18 remaining in the third period when uh, Josh Bailey 
of the New York Islanders scored and checked that it was two nothing when the when the, the shutout was uh, was ended. And then Lars Zeller scored the empty net to make it a score of three to one. Then the Canadians went over to Florida. It started off for a game against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Monday night, and it was a battle for first place in the Eastern Conference. We know what happened in the first three games. Montreal lost all three of them. And how did number four turn out on Monday? Well, unfortunately, with the same result, the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Montreal Canadiens 4-2. to And if we look at the goals, the first one was a shot that deflected off Andre Markov and went in through a Carey Price's leg. It was a power play goal scored by the Tampa Bay Lightning. The second goal was a great pass by Max Pacioretty, but unfortunately he did it to the wrong player. He sent, he gave it to Steven Stamkos, who came in all alone. The defensemen of the Canadians were in the middle of changing, and it was a great shot by Steven Stamkos, a bullet that Carey Price had no chance to give the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning a 2-0 lead. Uh, let's hear from uh, Max Pacioretty following that game. They got a lucky bounce on the first one. The second one, I gave them the goal. Third one's a good play, but uh, at the end of the day, I think we played a pretty strong game as a team. Tampa Bay took a three-goal lead before Montreal scored two unanswered goals. The first one was scored by P.A. Paranto. It was his first goal since November 28th. And then, as well, Thomas Plekan had scored a second goal. And with that goal, he tied Larry Robinson with 197 career goals in a Canadian uniform that placed him to a 23rd. And Steven Stamkos scored his second goal of the game in an empty net goal. And Peter, three games between the Canadians and the Lightning, and it was another loss for the Canadians against uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, and it's uh, starting to become a bit of a concern on uh, my part here. I think that uh, it's funny how things have turned out. I mean, the Canadians seem to have the Bruins number, the Bruins have the Lightning's number, and the Lightning have the Habs number. So try to figure out that's NHL logic for you. But uh, uh, that sort of worries me uh, going uh, as we're nearing the playoffs because these two teams are bound to meet each other unless there's some sort of upset uh, from one of the two teams uh, in the first round. But uh, there's a definite second-round matchup uh, that's going to be held between these two teams. And uh, I'm starting to be a bit concerned on the Habs' chances of uh, beating the Lightning in the playoffs. Yeah, and there's one more matchup between these two teams on uh, on March 30th, which will be the fifth and uh, the final matchup. You've watched all the games. You know they've uh, they've played us well. You know they uh, they've got uh, more of the fortunate bounces throughout the season, and um, you know they played a little bit better than us. So that's uh, Carey Price talking about the first four games between uh, these two teams. I guess it's the, I see myself finding like a bright side to it as well. Besides the first the first two games, there was a 7-1 game at Tampa Bay beat Montreal, so that one Canadians had no chance. Then there was a one nothing game where Tampa Bay pretty much did outplay the Montreal Canadiens, but I'm a kind of person where I look out and that game finished a one nothing in overtime, and the goal that Tampa Bay scored it was off Tom Gilbert before it went in. So Montreal was still in it. And then if we look at uh, Monday night's game this weekend, I consider that a one-goal game because the fourth goal by Tampa Bay was scored uh, in an empty net. So, yes, maybe Tampa Bay played be- played better than the Canadians, but... Like I said, besides the first uh, 7-1 game, it's all been pretty pretty close games between these two teams. So I'm not as concerned uh, for the facing the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I think if the Canadians beat Tampa Bay on the March 30th, all of it is uh, all this maybe momentum that's uh, in Tampa Bay side will will be forgotten. The teams are would be back to square one. Tries to get by the traffic and dies. Hands it off to the rolls with a shot. Straight away by Ellis. Puck gets caught on the back of the net. Ellis keeps it alive out front. Here's Subban with a shot. Scores! And that was the game-winning goal of that game between the Canadians and the Florida Panthers on Tuesday night in Florida. It was a P.K. Subban who scored. 
was his 13th goal of the season to give the Canadians a 3-2 win over the Florida Panthers. Good win. Good win by the guys. Back-to-back, uh, back, you know, they showed a lot of character there. And, you know, they're always going to be tough games. You have to grind them out, and then we did that tonight. Oh, he's great. I mean, uh, I'm not too sure what the final shots were, but he was like 45 shots. And uh, I think at times uh, he, he just bailed us out, and uh, he's probably our best player today. Yeah, no, he was amazing tonight, and he came up really big there, especially in the, in the last period. So he had some really big saves, and it was a big win for him and for us. So we heard from Dustin Tokarski, P.K. Subban, and uh, Jacob De La Rose. And you're talking about uh, Dustin Tokarski as the Montreal Canadiens were outshot 21-4 to in the third period of, uh, of that game. But they, they didn't allow a goal, so Tokarski ended up making 41 saves. And Peter, uh, prior to the start, uh, Dustin Tokarski was struggling in his uh, previous, I think it was about five losses in a row that he had. So it's, a, I guess, a little bit reassuring. Oh, it is, and definitely because now down the stretch, uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Michel Terry is going to use Carey Price uh, as we're nearing uh, the end of the regular season. I'm sure he's going to want to rest him, and after a game like that by Tokarski, it'll uh, just give him uh, more confidence uh in uh, playing him, uh, I guess, in the future. And uh, that was just a great game, like you said, Chris. He hasn't been playing good lately, and uh, a performance like that surely uh, brings back confidence uh, for his teammates and uh, himself, and uh, hopefully it'll be good the rest of the way. Yeah, and you're right. It'll be interesting to see how uh, the coach does use uh, Tukarski till the end of the season. Uh, there's only one back-to-back situation remaining for the Canadians before the end of the season. And that's the first week of April when the Canadians face the Capitals and the Devils in uh, back-to-back games. But I think until then, for sure in one of those two games, we're going to see Dustin Tokarski. I think that's a given. And I'm sure we'll see him at least uh, one more time or at least two more times uh, before the end of the regular season. On Thursday night, Canadians back at home after this uh, mini road trip to face the Carolina Hurricanes. And the Montreal Canadiens all over their opponents, a 4-0 victory at the Bell Centre. We were off a tough road trip. Uh, I think guys, guys felt a little bit more fresh uh, and we really focused on our, on our team game. We did a lot of good things. We got a lot of pucks deep and I think that's what we really focused on was just getting on our forecheck and um, trying to make them make the mistakes. At this point in the year, I don't think any game's easy. I mean, um, you know, every, every uh, you know, guys are out there playing hard every night. You can't take any team for granted. Um, the second you do, I mean, you're, uh, you'll find yourself on your heels and probably down a couple of goals. So we heard there from uh, Tom Gilbert and uh, Craig Patteron following the game against Carolina Hurricanes. And Peter, in this game against the Carolina Hurricanes, I think the Canadians did something that's barely or probably rare that they haven't done this season is it took an easy opponent and they gave it to him. Yeah, we're so used to seeing them uh, underperforming against uh, teams that are non-playoff teams uh, this season that a game like that against Carolina was very surprising, uh, but obviously very refreshing to see a performance like that. And... uh, you know, the Canadians got to learn that uh, to get that killer instinct. You know, once uh, the beast is down, you know, you just got to keep pounding on him, you know, until the game is over. You know, don't uh, ever think that uh, your opponents are down uh, before the game's over because it could come and bite you in the end. So for them to pull off a game like that against Carolina and uh, to get a shot out against them, I find was a very uh, good performance. And uh, hopefully they continue uh, playing like this. And if I remember correctly, the last time these two teams faced each other, the Canadians had a 2 nothing lead, if I'm not mistaken, and then the Carolina Hurricanes uh, came back to uh, to win. So after Thursday night's games, Canadians have played 72 games, so that means there's 10 games remaining in the regular season. They have a record of 45-20-7, and seven, which gives them 97 points. It places them first place in the Atlantic Division, they are two points ahead of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and both these teams have played the same amount of games. Uh, 
And an interesting, something to note that in case of, uh, of the teams being tied, right now the Tampa Bay Lightning do have three more regulation wins than the Montreal uh, Canadiens. So if the Canadiens do want to stay ahead of the Lightning, uh, they can aim for the tie in terms of points. They need to go one step above them. I'm skipping the wildcard race because I think we can all agree that it's pretty much impossible for the Canadians to be a wildcard team. In the Eastern Conference right now, Canadians are first place with a two-point lead over the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And interesting to note, the New York Rangers have three games in hand over the Montreal Canadiens. So New York Rangers right now looking uh, looking good as well. And if we look in, in the entire NHL, Canadians are second place overall, two points behind the Anaheim Ducks, who are first. The Ducks have 99 points, but the Canadians do have one game in hand over them. So we'll see how that goes. There's a possibility the Canadians are first place at the end of the night. And trailing behind the Canadians at third place are the St. Louis Blues, who have 96 points, but the Blues do have one game in hand over the Montreal Canadiens. According to sportsclubstats.com, not even sure if it's so worth looking, but according to that site, Canadians have a 99.999% chance of making the playoffs. So the Canadians are definitely in a good position. So going back to Peter, talk about the um, uh, this week's games between the Montreal Canadiens. One thing that stood out to me over the last uh, four games, especially, actually, I should say the last two games, was the contribution of the fourth line of the Montreal Canadiens, of Manny Maholtra, uh, Dale Weiss, and Brandon, Brandon Prust. In the two-game time span, these guys combined for a total of six points. Let's hear what uh, Dale Weiss and Brandon Prust had to say following the game against Carolina. Feels good to score. Um, you know, I don't really base my game on, on goals and assists. I think if I shot more, I could probably score 20 goals. But you know, I just don't shoot enough. I try to tell myself every game, you know, shoot, 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 and it just never happens. So, uh, you know, I'm happy to get 10 goals. You know, we're keeping it simple out there. We're we're kind of chipping pucks. We're supporting each other. We're, we're talking a lot, and you know, we're talking on the bench. And uh, I think most of all, you know, we're having fun. So, um, when you're when you're having fun out there, uh, you seem to play a little better. All the lines have to bring us momentum, and um, uh, we ask those guys to uh, to make sure that they spend a lot of time in the defensive zone. They're physical when they have to be, and this is what they give us tonight. And we also heard from the coach Michel Terrier speaking about his fourth line following the game against the Carolina Hurricanes, and Dale Weiss and Brandon Press have been used on all lines. Uh, since the beginning of the season. Uh, remember, Dale Weiss was placed in the first line for a good chunk of games. <laughs> Not a lot of people were happy about it. But these guys, no matter what role that they've had within the team, they've always been successful. They've done what the coach has asked for. And even when Dale Weiss was in the first line, I think he did a lot better than a lot of us <laughs> did expect. But Dale Weiss and Brandon Prust, they belong in the fourth line. I think that is their... They're where they truly belong, and with my, whether it be Manny Maholtra or Mitchell when he comes back from uh, from injury, I think this this is a good fourth line. And in fact, the fourth line the Canadians have been playing in the last two games was a fourth line the Canadians had to start off the season. So it looks like we went back to circles, back to uh, to square one. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on uh, Habs 360. Coming up next, we'll be joined by the voice of the Habs on the Sportsnet, John Bartlett. And coming up later, Canadians, well, they have nine defensemen. We know tonight that uh, Nathan Bollier will not play. We'll talk about that and more. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on nohabs.net. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? 
HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. If you missed a recent episode of the Hubs 360 podcast, search Hubs 360 on lawhubs.net or on iTunes for the archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Hubs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. The RSM mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information about this unique marketing opportunity. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to uh, Habs 360. I'm Chris G at Chris G1980 on uh, Twitter, along with uh, Peter. Looking ahead to tonight's game between the Montreal Canadiens and the uh, San Jose Sharks at the Bell Center. It's a game that will start uh, around a, a bit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, a game that could be seen coast-to-coast on uh, CBC. But joining us now to talk to Montreal Canadiens, he's the voice of the Habs on uh, Rogers Sportsnet, John Bartlett, thank you for joining us. No problem, guys. How are you? We're doing good. Thank you for asking. And, uh, John, I guess before we talk to Montreal Canadiens, uh, you spent a couple of seasons of calling the Canadiens games full-time on the radio, uh, and now you've moved over to the TV side. Is there a difference between both in terms of preparation and calling the game? Uh, not really in the preparation. You sort of prepare the same way for the game. I uh, just, um, you know, there's more people involved in the TV production than there would be on the radio side, obviously. So there's more people looped in and what you're doing, but uh, uh, not really on the preparation side. Are there much differences? The difference come in actual uh, calling of the game where on radio, you know, people can't see what's going on. So you're a little more descriptive and trying to spell out what's happening on the ice and, and sort of fill in the blanks that you can't see while on TV, uh, you know, you're a little different in style because people can see what's going on. But uh, but when it comes to preparation and everything, it's, it's pretty much the same. Either way, you're getting ready to uh, to work a game, so a lot of the, the behind-the-scenes prep is the same for me. All right, so let's move on and talk to Montreal Canadiens now. Uh, on Monday, the Canadiens lost for the fourth time this season against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, is that a big deal? Well, I think uh, it certainly is is going to be a very tough team if they have to try and face them uh, in the playoffs, which would be in uh, round two. Um, if both teams, uh, you know, end up getting out of round one, they'll have to face each other in the Atlantic Division. So, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are a much improved team over last year, and and they're feeding off of that playoff last year against the Canadians and and using that as a motivating factor, not just against Montreal, but in their season overall. And you have to remember last year in that sweep, the Lightning didn't have Ben Bishop, they didn't have a healthy Steven Stamkos, and they didn't have the experience that they now have in their lineup. And I think that Tampa's improved their blue line even more. I think players like Tyler Johnson have another year under their belt, Alex Kalorn as well. They're, um, you know, and they really are sort of balanced that way. They have a four-line attack that can really cause some dangerous offense for you. And, you know, the Canadians have already seen it. Whether you try to shut down Steven Stamkos, Tyler Johnson's there. If you shut down Johnson, Stamkos is going to be a factor. So 
Um, you know, the fact that the Lightning have won four of the games against the Canadians this year, I think is a bit of a, a telling tale for Montreal. that This is a team that's going to be very tough for them to play in the playoffs, and it's not like the team that they faced last year. So a uh, bit of a measuring stick, I think, uh, you know, when you look at the one more meeting that they'll have this year, uh, that's going to be an important one mentally for the Canadians to try and win, knowing that uh, it could be a playoff matchup. But the, the Lightning are built as a very strong team, so I think they're going to be extremely dangerous for Montreal to try and handle in the Atlantic Division. Canadians, they acquired Jeff Petrie at the trade deadline, and they called up Craig Pattern about a week ago, and there's no injuries on defense right now. Uh, Nitebolio will not play tonight against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, what do you think is uh, Terrier's plan with his defenseman for the rest of the season in the playoffs? Well, certainly I know uh, you've got a lot of depth there now, too. And when you look at uh, Mike Weaver, who was a big part of the playoff run last year and how much of uh, an impact he was last year, now he's, an, he's a healthy scratch and part of the depth they have. Sergey Gonchar uh, is part of the depth as well. So um, you have sort of two veteran experienced guys that are there ready to come in in a depth position. And then Nathan Bolger has played very well this year. Uh, and has to sit out. So it's the old thing. You can never really have too many defensemen, especially when you go to the playoffs, uh, because injuries and, and different situations can happen quickly. So I think right now it's a situation where they're they're allowing Greg Patteron to, to get some ice time, and he's played very well. Uh, so it's sort of a, an opportunity for him here to get a lot of games and get some more experience under his belt. They like him a lot and like the game that he brings. Um, you know, so this is sort of a, a moving forward situation, I think, uh, for Greg Pattern right now. Part of him playing this much at this juncture of the season is not so much uh, for the playoffs, but maybe for next year. So they know exactly what they have at the NHL level with Greg Pattern and can sort of plan accordingly uh, when it comes to their own blue line and what they'll want to do next year uh, with plans moving forward uh, on the defensive side of things. So uh, because this year they thought that Tenorti and Bolia would be a little more ready than they were at the start of the year. And that forced a couple of the defensive moves that they had to make in the acquisition of Sergei Gonchar being one of them um, because they thought that, uh, you know, Nathan Bolia and Jared Tenorti would be further along in their games than they weren't at the start of the year. So I think that's part of the reason right now they'll have a little more look at pattern so they have a good sense there. Uh, but also you'll have the ability down the stretch here in the final 10 games or so uh, to rotate a few guys in and out of the lineup and give them a little breather and give them, you know, make sure they're rested for the playoffs. Remember, the Canadians, when you factor in the playoffs and the preseason last year, played 107 games. So they know what it takes, and it's a long run, and you want to make sure guys are rested for that. So when you get to the playoffs, so it wouldn't surprise me if you see, um, you know, Pattern come out and, and maybe Bolia get some more time. But you'll have someone like Sergei Gonchar, who is more of a veteran, and if you need to put him in there, you know you're comfortable, you know what you're going to get with it, and he'll bring a steady, calming influence and experience into the lineup in the postseason. So I think right now it's a situation make sure guys are playing uh, for the younger ones, but also make sure they're rested. And then when you come to the playoffs, you're going to have good options available for you on the blue line if you're Michelle Therrien. And if you think, let's say, if tonight, for example, was game one of the playoffs, do you think that the, the sick defenseman would be, would be the same? Well, it might depend on who your matchup is uh, as well, and that, that could be something they would look at. Uh, if you're going to end up with a team um, you know, like uh, Boston or something, you might want to have a more of a physical kind of style uh, that, that you'll want to have prepared for the Bruins. If it's Detroit, maybe you want to have a little more uh, skill set and a little more puck moving. So maybe a Nathan Bolia sees the ice a little more, gets an opportunity to play against Detroit. Uh, Greg Patteron might not see uh, the ice right off the hop uh, come playoff time because you might want to have that little more experience out there just at this point. Um, so I don't know if tonight's uh, defensive lineup necessarily would be game one of the playoffs. If it's Boston, you definitely want to have Alexei Yemelin in, but Yemelin's got to come along with his game a little more, and I know he's been out for a bit here, so timing is a bit of an issue, but uh, you know he struggled a little bit in the first couple games back. So uh, if it's someone like Detroit, maybe there's a consideration that Alexei Yemelin comes out and Nathan Bollier goes in and you stick with that kind of a lineup where you have a little more uh, puck-moving defense to handle the style that the Red Wings would play. So I think matchup will also have a uh, you know a bit of a sort of a decision process will be involved in the decision process as to who they'll want to play and, and who you want to pair up against well, we're in conversation with uh, John Bartlett from uh, from Rogers Sportsnet uh, John the Canadians have won their last two games and the fourth line of Prost Mahotra and uh, Dale Weiss were key parts to those wins 
and that's a good t- that's a good sign for a team that's been struggling to score goals. Yeah, you bet. And and you know the fourth line uh, really has been the catalyst, as you said, with Brandon Preston. And you know it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks here. And if the Canadians sort of go on a roll into the playoffs, are we going to look back to the Tampa game and and the moment where Brandon Preston starts the fight and then lays the hit out on Ben Bishop? Is that the turning point? And is that where things sort of turned around for the Canadians and got them going again, got the fire going and and, and sparked them? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks if we look back at that and say there was the moment where Brandon Press single-handedly got the Canadians rolling again. And, and he's uh, he's been such a big part of the last couple of games for sure for Montreal. And, and, you know, you look back earlier in the year, and I always thought earlier in the season the Canadians' best fourth line was when they had Preston, Holter, and Weiss. I thought that was their best fourth line at the time, and I thought that that also meant if that was the fourth line and those players were being used effectively in that role, that meant that the top three lines were in the best uh, sort of setup position they could be in for scoring. When you're trying to slot in someone like Dale Weiss or, or Brandon Prust on a higher line, um, yes, they can do it, but you're really not putting them in their strength and their element there. And in that fourth line with Preston Holter and Weiss, they go out, they win draws, they bang and crash, they're going to create some space, they're going to eat up some minutes, and, and they're going to be able to create a few scoring opportunities. And that's what they've done being paired together again. And it's helped the Canadians in their offensive struggles right now. So, um, you know, it goes back, as I said, to earlier in the year. I thought that when they were together, that was the best fourth-line combination for Montreal. And they're back together now, and you can see that they have that chemistry going again and have things working so it'll be interesting to see if that line now sticks together here uh, down the final stretch and going into the playoffs because it could be a very very effective fourth line and uh, eat up quality minutes for the Canadians and create some good things for them so um, you know it's it's good to see them back together and producing the way they were uh, like they were at the start of the season when they were all paired up if you had to name one team so that's a trick question it has to be one team that if the Canadians could, they should avoid for a first-round playoff matchup, who, which team would it be? <laughs> well, obviously, the big story right now is the Ottawa Senators and their big push, um, you know, to try and catch the Bruins here, and that was huge uh, to beat them the other night. So Ottawa has the possibility of sneaking into that last wild-card spot, and the Canadians maintain their spot on the top. They could get the Senators. And a lot of people have said, uh, you know, they don't want that matchup with Ottawa because of the way things go. And, and that, uh, you know, no pun intended, would be a bit of a wild card matchup to have the Ottawa Senators uh, just because of the way they seem to play each other and things always get a little crazy. So, um, But Ottawa, I think, is going to make a, a strong push here. If they beat the Leafs tonight, they've got a, a really good chance of maybe getting into that spot and, and upsetting the Bruins. It's going to be interesting to see if they can keep this torrid pace going down the stretch. So if not, it might end up being the Boston Bruins, who are going to now be forced to play some very strong hockey down the stretch uh, because Ottawa is pushing them very hard. So um, whether you say, who do you not want to play? I always think in the playoffs, you never want to think that way of who do you not want to play because that gets into your head. You should never worry about who your opponent is, worry about your own game. Uh, But the Canadians could end up with an interesting matchup with either Boston or Ottawa in round one, and both of them will be coming in on a tear if that's the case. And those are always dangerous teams to play in that situation. So they might get stuck with uh, either one of those teams in a in a tough scenario no matter what. So if that's the case, then it's a coin toss. And be more worried about the, the style of game you have to play than, than your opponent because it's going to be a bit of a uh, interesting first round. In the last two games, the Canadians have been outshot 37 to 9 during uh, the third period. Do you think that's a result of the Canadians maybe sitting back on their on their leads? Yeah, a little bit of that. And also, they've played uh, two teams uh, that are playing with a lot more desperation. And a lot of those shots, I think it was 21 of them, came also battling for that last playoff spot right now. And, and they're in desperation mode. They need every point they can get. So. Part of that is the Canadians, yeah, sitting back on a lead a little, but also it has to do uh, with their opponent playing just all-out desperation hockey. And that's what we saw in the third period, especially uh, from Florida. You saw a Panthers team that that knew going in the third, they absolutely had to do everything they could to try and and get some goals and get some points out of that game. So um, as much as it is about the Canadians maybe sitting back, I, I think it also has a lot to do with the opponents, um, you know, in that desperation style. And Florida's that way. And, and, you know, really, when you look at the schedule down the stretch here for the final games of the Canadians, uh, Carolina, you know, they're, they're obviously out of the mix, but they were playing some better hockey as of late. And when you look at the 
stretch here coming down. The last uh, few games, really, uh, the game in New Jersey game against a team that, that's out of the playoff mix or, or not in a battle right now. So the Habs are in tough tonight against the Sharks. San Jose is a team fighting for a playoff spot. That's going to be tough to play. They've got Florida again. They have Tampa again. They have Washington again. They'll be down in Florida again. If the Panthers stay in the mix, they're going to have those desperation games. So there's a lot of tough games I think, coming up uh, for the Canadians down the stretch here. Next week, uh, Nashville's a tough team to play. They're trying to hang on in the top spot in the West. And then you've got the Winnipeg Jets who are fighting tooth and nail to hold on to a playoff spot. So they're going to play some teams that are going to be playing some very desperate hockey and, and very tough hockey down the stretch. Um, so outside of that game against the Devils and then the final game of the season in Toronto against the Leafs, the Leafs will be out of it. But, you know, Montreal-Toronto matchup always seems to have a little fun, so that could be entertaining regardless, even if the Canadians end up resting a few players in that game. Uh, but they won't have many easy games down the stretch. So uh, it's a situation where you have to be prepared to play these teams that'll that'll be very desperate. And you could see situations like this where uh, another team's going to get a lot more shots because they're trying everything they can and throwing the puck on net from every spot they can. And, you know, the shots might not be necessarily indicative of good quality scoring chances, but it's definitely going to show a team that's desperate to do everything they can to try and get some goals. All right, Twitter handle is at Bart's Bite. He's the voice of the Canadians on Sportsnet. John Bartley, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll watch on Tuesday when the Canadians are in Nashville. Yeah, you bet. It should be a fun one there, and it always is in Nashville. Great town, great atmosphere in that building, and uh, the Predators are going to put on a good show and a good game. So it'll be a tough road week again for Montreal, but looking forward to it. Thanks very much. Perfect. Thank you, John. Take care. You bet. All right, so that was uh, John Bartlett from uh, Rogers uh, Sportsnet, and I don't want to tell him during the interview because he said the Canadians might be resting players against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Honestly, I think the Canadians, if they would have been playing, if they're going to play without a goaltender, I think they still have a chance of beating the, the Maple Leafs in that game. Okay, so uh, so Peter, we have a contest going on with uh, Framework Sports Marketing. Why don't you tell us more about it? Yeah, well, the Habs 360 podcast is excited to provide a Habs fan with an opportunity to win an 8x10 autographed picture of Brendan Gallagher, and it's courtesy of Framework Sports Marketing. And uh, Frameworth is the largest distributor of autographed NHL memorabilia in the world and one of the largest distributors of sports memorabilia in North America. Here's how to enter. you got to follow Habs360 on Twitter. And prior to the next Canadians road game, which is like we mentioned against Nashville on Tuesday, tweet Habs360, your guess of the final score, and the name of the first Canadians goal scorer. If you guess them correctly, you win. That's how simple it is to enter the contest. So in case of multiple correct guesses, a tiebreaker will be determined from all the winners. And uh, for more information on Frameworth Sports Marketing, visit their website at frameworth.com. All right, thank you very much, uh, Peter. We're going to take a, a quick break. On the other side, Nathan Bollier is out of the lineup tonight. Canadians have nine healthy defense right now with the NHL roster. We'll discuss and we'll tell you what we think this means for the Canadians for the rest of the regular season and heading into the playoffs. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. Framework Sports Marketing has been manufacturing high-quality sports memorabilia since 1992. By setting new standards in the industry, Framework is now the largest distributor of autographed NHL memorabilia in the world. Frameworth is an official licensee of the NHL, NHLPA, CFL, and Hockey Hall of Fame. Frameworth is also the exclusive supplier and distributor of autographed products for some of the best players in the world, including Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Tace, John Tavares, Alec Galchenyuk, and much more. Unlike other companies, Frameworth produces most of what they sell, and this allows them to guarantee the quality of every piece. For more information on Frameworth Sports Marketing, visit Frameworth.com. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs360 podcast and Anthony from r2canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season 
I will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of R2Canvas.com. Listen to the Habs 360 podcast and follow Habs 360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit R2Canvas.com. Good luck. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to Habs 360. I'm along with uh, Peter. Uh, Peter Galanos is the way to follow Peter. You can join in. Remember, the Habs 360 is the most informative and interactive podcast that, that you'll be able to find. You can join the conversation via Twitter at Habs 360, or you can give us a call at one eight seven seven four five five forty nine forty five, and you'll go on the air. And one thing we'll promise is you'll get more than the thirty seconds that you get when you call the, the traditional sports uh, sports radio. And as we look ahead right now to the game between the Montreal Canadiens and the uh, San Jose Sharks, I need the time for before blow up. Uh, pick up uh, maybe ten. Probably 12, maybe 13. If I play start tonight, uh, for it's uh, good for my confidence because playoff it's a different game and uh, I need to play before. What a, a kid like Patterson that he's making his first step in the NHL. He brings a, a element that uh, we're looking for. He's a, he's a physical guy. He's strong, competes hard and. Uh, He's making a good first pass, so he's got a lot of things that we like about his game. All right, so we heard first from Alexi Emelin, who returned to the Canadiens lineup on uh, Monday night when the Canadiens faced the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, and I think he's looked good in the games uh, since he's back. And we also heard from uh, the coach, Michel Terry, speaking of uh, Craig Patterson, and that was from uh, yesterday morning in practice and suddenly the Canadians have nine healthy bodies so lots of I guess internal competition between a defenseman and the coach was asked to comment about that as well this is a coach dream to get inside competition you know it forced the players to make sure that uh, when the, uh, when we give responsibility they got to take a lot of pride uh, and um because there's always someone is knocking on the door and he wants to play. So uh, I think it's healthy, as long as it's healthy. And it is, it is a healthy winter club. Uh, guys understand. And we got depth regarding our defense, regarding our forwards too as well. So uh, uh, this is a good group. It's a good, uh, this is a group with uh, good team chemistry. Uh, it is really important to get that chemistry uh, regarding uh, the team. Take some decision, and the players need to understand, and they're part of a good group. You know that's a good thing. All right, Peter. So, this is this a good problem for the coach to have right now? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, you can never have too many uh, players. That's uh, one thing, as for sure. And uh, it's always good to have. Uh, internal competition on the team and uh, I think that it's a good thing uh, as for uh, why Nathan Bullier is the one that's uh, being left out that is sort of curious uh, I find that after PK Subban Andre Markov I believe that he's been uh, the Montreal Canadiens best defenseman so far this season question of the coach just wanting to get 
some action from all his defensemen as we near uh, the playoffs, the beginning of the playoffs. That could be another reason why. Uh, but only he really knows, and uh, we'll see how uh, things go from now until the end of the season. Yeah, and it is an interesting problem that uh, the coach, Michel Terry, has uh, right now. But if you look at the, at the defense, okay, so you're not going to take out Markov, you're not going to take out Subban, uh, Greg, uh, you're not going to take out, sorry, Jeff Petrie out of the lineup. I think those three names, they're they're solid. Alex Hamlin has been playing well since he, he returned from his injury. There's a Craig Pattern. Since he got called up, he's been great. Like uh, I think he's made it hard for the coach not to play him. And Tom Gilbert with a pairing with uh, with Petrie, you know, it's been playing. They've been playing good as well. So I think it's a really tough decision for her, for the coach, and it might be something where. They might be alternating Bollier and uh, and uh, and Patterson. And personally, why not include Tom Gilbert in that uh, rotation as well? And one thing, Peter, that I find funny is the Canadians at the beginning. And I think that's all that they had. As Tom Gilbert. Oh yeah, and Tom Gilbert. And now they're they're situation where they have four right-handed, actually five. There was Mike Weaver as well, as a right-handed stick. But now there's like there's more right-handed sticks than uh, than left-handed, and it's weird that they're pairing up two right-handed uh, defensemen together as a as a pairing. Yeah, it is, and uh, I believe that Bollier brings more to the table than uh, Tom Gilbert does, uh, and it's just one of those. Weird situations. I don't know uh, why. Why are they forcing Gilbert to play on the left side sometimes? Um, he's been unlucky on certain occasions. That's probably given a reason for uh, the coach to uh, to make him a healthy scratch. But uh, I think in the long run, in the playoffs, you need. Uh, you need to have Nathan Beaulieu play and uh, play big minutes too. And uh, Kenny uh, McMillan from Halifax, Nova Scotia, sent us his defensive pairings on uh, Twitter. So his first pairing is Markov and Subban. So I think we're, we all agree with that. And then his his other pairings are Beaulieu with with uh, Jeff Petrie and Alexi Amlin with Tom Gilbert. And then Craig Patterson, Sergey Gonchar, and uh, Mike Weaver. Are uh, the odd man's out, and Peter, I think this uh, the pairing that Kenny wrote makes sense. If I think game number one of the playoffs were right now, I think Nathan Boyer would have been in the lineup, and uh, and Pattern would have been uh, would have been out. Yeah, definitely. I I don't think Pattern, even though he's been playing good, I think Pattern should be one of the the players left out along with Mike Weaver too. I think. Uh, it's pretty much the end for Mike Weaver, and unless uh, some major disaster happens and uh, Canadians get at least a couple of injuries on defense, I think Mike Weaver, uh, we will not be seeing him very, very much of him from here on to the end of the regular season and probably not at all in the playoffs. And Ed also sent us his tweet, Ed is from Newfoundland. The defenseman that he would sit out if the playoffs started tonight would be Tom Gilbert. And he writes, does he even have playoff experience having played with Edmonton and Florida? That's a good point. Something probably should, uh, we'll, we'll check it out in, in a minute. And Gonchar, if power play doesn't improve, and sorry, but Weaver. So it seems like Gilbert, Gonchar, and Weaver are the three men out from Ed. So that would mean, Peter, that it would probably be a um, the third line defensive pairing would be the rookies, uh, Alexiam, uh, sorry, sorry, Nathan Bollier, and uh, and Craig Patterson. Would you have confidence in uh, that kind of a defensive pairing in the playoffs right now? No, I think I would uh, preferably play uh, one veteran with one uh, with uh, a kid. Like example, have Emelin with uh, Patterson and uh, Bollier with uh, Petrie. I think that would be a much more ideal situation than to have two rookie defensemen, uh, not well, two young defensemen 
playing together on the same uh, duo. So, Ed, in regards to your Tom Gilbert has played five games in the postseason. It was in 2012-2013 with the Minnesota Wild. So he played five games, no points allowed, and finished with uh, a minus two. So it's a good point. I never thought about that. So somebody like Tom Gilbert, who's been around the NHL since uh, 2006, 2007, not much playoff experience uh, for him. And like I said, I think he should be one defenseman that should probably be part of the rotation of uh, being in and out, heading into the regular uh, finish off the regular season and then take it from there before deciding uh, what happens in the playoffs. Okay, let's move on. And, well, you can keep your tweets coming if you have any at at Habs360. And uh, we'll definitely read them before the end of today's episode. And I'd like to talk about one of the Canadians' acquisitions at uh, toward the trade deadline period, which is uh, DSP, Devante Smith-Pelly. And, well, this week... He, at least in my opinion, he wasn't very visible. And even this week, the coach was asked if uh, he was satisfied with the performance of one of the Canadian acquisitions. And here's what he said. This was prior to the game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Yes, because he's a type of player that uh, uh, we were looking for, a guy strong on a wall. He's playing a really dependable game. And he's playing the right way. Um, he'll do the little things that uh, that he's really responsible on. He he's not going to force plays. You know, when you get a lead, that's the type of guy that you want on the ice because uh, you know he's going to win those battles on the wall and in your own end, and he's going to take the right decision in the neutral zone with the puck. So, uh, um, uh, yes, we're, we're satisfied with what we got from uh, from Devo so far. So the coach is happy with Devo. I guess that's another way instead of the DSP is uh, is Devo the way probably the coaching staff and the teams and his teammates call him. And well, Devo was also asked, "Have you adapted to playing in Eastern Conference and with the Montreal Canadiens?" And let's hear what he had to say. Yeah, I'm starting to to adjust to it for sure. Um, it's it's just a whole it's a whole different game in the East. Um, you know, you got guys like Getzlaff and Perry who lug, lug the puck and take their time up the ice. But, you know, on teams in the East, um, it's go, go, go all the time. So I think I'm, I'm getting used to that. And, um, you know, you can you can always get a little bit better at it as well. So, Peter, we spoke about the depth on defense for the Montreal Canadiens. But when it comes to, I would say, the bottom six forwards for the Canadiens, there's also depth with uh, Manny Mahotra. There's uh, Mitchell, who's out with injury. Flynn, who is not playing right now. And so eventually the coach will have to make some decisions when it comes to the forwards as well. Do you think somebody like uh, like Devo is in risk of maybe sitting out a couple uh, couple of games? No, I think they're going to give him uh, an opportunity to uh, to adjust. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a process that he has to go through. It's a new team and... Uh, it's not it's not easy that's for sure when uh, you get traded uh, that uh, this late into the season where as the trade deadline is so he needs an adaptation period and i think that he'll be given at least another week or two uh, to uh, get into uh, i guess on the coach's good side and uh, i think then if things haven't really improved at all, I think that's when they'll begin thinking of uh, resting him. But uh, you were talking about the depth on the third and the fourth line. I mean, that's all Mark Bergevin did at the trade <laughs> acquisition, you know, like uh, acquiring a third and a fourth line type of players. And I still can't believe they didn't acquire a player who could play on the top six. So... Uh, I still, anyways, for <laughs> so I told you if you were listening in the beginning, I told you he was upset about it, and he's he's calming down, he's controlling himself. Mind you, I'm happy that they've given PA Parento a shot uh, back on the top two lines, and uh, I think what Michel Terry has to do now is because he has no choice. I mean, there's nobody else uh, on his forward roster who uh, could play on the top six right now. He's just got to stick with these six guys, find the right combination. And, 
just stick with them until uh, for the next couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully they build some chemistry and be ready for, in time for the playoffs. And we were talking about defensemen before. Uh, earlier this morning, uh, Mark Bregevin sent out a uh, press release uh, via the Hamilton Bulldogs in regards to two defensemen that uh, we're probably expecting to get called up part of the Black Aces. Uh, Davis Drewiski underwent wrist surgery and he's out for the remainder of uh, the season. Oh. But, you know, let's be honest, I think a lot of, if the Canines were in a situation where they had to play Davis Drewiski, well, if that was the case. It's a little bit like I was saying for Mike Weaver. If the Canadians reach the point where they have to play Mike Weaver, it's because they're really in a bad, bad situation. So for them to reach the Davis Drewiski level, they'd have to be in even worse uh, position. But there's also news on another defenseman that he's probably higher in a depth, well, he is higher in a depth chart than uh, Drewiski and uh, Mike Weaver. Jared Tenorti, who is out with an upper body injury, and he's going to be reevaluated in three weeks. So if he's rebounding three weeks from today, that brings it to April 11th, which is the last game of the regular season. So that means that even for the playoffs, if needed, you know, if he's, and I think because of this injury, the Canadians will only play him if they're really desperate. Yeah, because at this point, if you really think about it, it would be, he's he'd be out for the next three weeks. So then he'd need a bit of playing time and practice to get back into game shape, and it's going to be playoffs, so the uh, the pace of the game is going to be even a lot faster than uh, the game is right now in the regular season. So it would, I think it's virtually impossible for the Canadians to uh, see Tenorti in the playoffs this season. And keeping up with the pace in the NHL is one of the main feedback that we've heard from the coaching staff that they wanted uh, Jared Tenorti to uh, to work on, but I guess he'll be back if um, if the Canadians make it to the Stanley Cup final, right? Which is possible. Everything is uh, is possible. So uh, one more tweet from Ed from Newfoundland in regard to his defensive pairings. So he would pair Subban and Markov together. He would pair Bowyer and Paterin together. No, sorry, 26 is Petrie, so it would be uh, 26 and 64. So that is uh, Patterin and uh, Petrie. And he would pair up Emelin and Boyer and then have Tom Gilbert as a seventh uh, defenseman. The only thing that I'm that I'm not sure about that about those pairings is would you put two righties together and two lefties together? It's not impossible, but I don't see that uh, I don't see that happening. So thank you very much for the tweet, Ed. All right, let's take a look at the Canadians matchups for the next for the upcoming week tonight seven o'clock game between the Canadians and the Sharks here at the Bell Center game that could be seen coast to coast on CBC in English and on TVA Sports in French and then the Canadians playing a couple of eight o'clock Eastern starts this week on Tuesday and Thursday both those games will be available on Sportsnet East and on RDS for viewers in Belleville East on Tuesday night, it will be against the Nashville Predators. And then on Thursday night, it will, the Canadians will head to the Winnipeg Jets and face the cold. So support somebody like John Bartlett, who they went from California from the West Coast trip. They went to Florida this week, and now they're heading to Winnipeg for the upcoming week. So quite the change in uh, temperature uh, for them. So speaking of John Bartlett, I'd like to thank John, who is the voice of the Canadians on Rogers Sportsnet for joining us. If you just joined the uh, podcast right now, you'll be able to listen to uh, the audio of that interview by visiting allhabs.net and typing Habs360. The the podcast will be up approximately half an hour at the end of the uh, the episode. Another option is also to go to iTunes and uh, search Habs360. And remember... Have 360 for listening to a podcast. It is absolutely free. You do not have to pay uh, $1.99 or any kind of money to listen to our episodes. Peter G, uh, glad to hear that you're feeling better after trade deadline, and uh, welcome back. It's always a pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me once again on the show. You could follow Peter on Twitter at Hab360. Coming up, sorry, at Peter Galanos. Coming up next week. We'll be looking ahead to the game between the Canadians and the Florida Panthers. 
and also it will be a couple of days prior to the fifth and final matchup between the Canadians and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And who knows, maybe a week from now, the Canadians may have clinched a spot in the playoffs. If they did, well, we'll definitely celebrate that here on the Habs 360 podcast. Most importantly, I want to thank you, our listeners, for listening to Habs 360. You are what makes the show uh, excellent as it is right now. My name is Chris G, Chris G1980 on Twitter, and I'll be back next Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.